Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. That was The Birds, Mr. Tambourine Man, and that is as good of an introduction in terms of musical keys as I can think of to introduce these, this wonderful new documentary film called Echo in the Canyon. It celebrates an explosion of popular music that came out of uh, Los Angeles's Laurel Canyon in the mid-60s as folk went electric. The Birds, the Beach Boys, the Buffalo Springfield, the Mamas and the Papas, and many more helped give rise, give birth to the California sound. It was a moment, definitely a moment, where people, where bands were trying to emulate the Beatles and Laurel Canyon emerged as a hotbed of creativity and collaboration. The film features Jacob Dylan as our guide through the uh, through history, as well as bringing together um, musicians uh, from today, from uh, from the music scene today, including Beck, Fiona Apple, Cat Power, Regina Spector, and many, many others. But this whole enterprise is the brainchild of a uh, the director, former music journalist, record producer, and label executive, and that would be Andrew Slater. And with that, Andrew Slater, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Be here. Yeah, well, it was a little winded there, but uh, I, I hope we got everything <laughs> covered. Uh, so I just want to say at the outset that uh, you know I'm of a certain age, and I certainly remember a lot of this. And the, and if you know, and and it's a terrific film. It's a terrific sort of homage to the era, but it's also something that doesn't feel like a museum piece. It feels alive, and and vital, and and all the things that you would want in a documentary film about this era. Just where did the germination of this idea for this documentary come from, Andrew? Well, I had always known, you know, about the the period of Laurel Canyon and and why everyone was, you know, making records, listening to each other in the in that in the sixties. But um, I really set out to record some music because I had seen a film by Jacques Demy called Model Shop, and it was really just a random viewing, and. It, it showed me L.A. at a very innocent time, and for some reason, and I don't know why, it reminded me of the music of the Beach Boys and the Birds and the Modest Poppers, and, and it, was, it coincided also with the 50th anniversary of the Birds' first record. So I set out to make, really, a tribute, in a sense, to, to that music, and I was trying to find a way to do something that wasn't just a tracing paper version of those songs. You know, so many of those songs really don't need to be covered. No one needs to hear a cover of Good Vibrations. But I thought maybe I could turn these songs into duets and make lyrics like uh, In My Room and you know, Expecting to Fly, a conversation between maybe two people and or Never My Love. And so I, I set out to make that record with Jacob Dylan, who I worked with a long time, and you know, we tried to find the best female singers we could for this generation who were influenced by this music, the California sound. And uh, and I think we, we found some, some good participants, and, and then we started there. And from there, you know, every song has a story behind it, and every song has a, has a group of musicians behind it. And... I just didn't want to leave it to research because uh, I felt like it was a broader topic and it really hadn't been explored. 
You know, Laurel Canyon, when you think of Laurel Canyon, you think about Joni Mitchell, and you think about the singer-songwriter era, but really there's three sort of distinct periods to me over a short period of time. And the first is when all those bands come to L.A. You know, well, the Beach Boys were there, but the, the, the Birds come to L.A., yeah. and, and, the, and the Mamas and Papas come, and the Buffalo Springfield come, you know, and they come to be like the Beatles. And after that period, psychedelia sets in, and you know, people are taking certain kinds of drugs, and things things change. And then after that, there's a sort of retrenchment to the roots of American folk and blues, and and you know, you have that era of the singer songwriter. So, yeah. so for me, it was it was something that no one had done, but had always been in my head. Yeah, it is a wonderful uh, spectrum of of artists that you you um, pull in, and I'm and I'm I'm glad to see that you took this this sort of device of you know Jacob Dylan as our guide who who in his own way bridges all of these uh, different eras that you're talking about through his father uh, Bob Dylan and 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 his vitality as a musician his sort of carrying forward in it's in a musical tradition uh, you know in his own way and uh, and he's a very affable man he's a he's a extremely he's he's a very kind of laid-back uh, easygoing guy, and and I feel like he'd be the kind of person that you would gravitate to in a room. To if you were going to play music, you'd want to you'd want him involved, and that's sort of how he comes across in this film. Um, what was the? I mean, how did he approach you? Did you approach him about being a part of? Well, this? to be perfectly honest, that we were sitting on a couch in my house, and we were at. A- at a point in our lives, I mean, I had just left Capitol and, and, and it had been a couple of years, and, and he had put out a series of records, you know, solo records and Wallflowers records, touring cycle album, touring cycle album. And we were at this point where we were just kind of not sure what our next project was going to be individually. And we saw this film, and I said, hey, these songs, what, you know, I, I love these songs. Let's go back and look at Going back, and you know, Bells of Rimney. You probably started with Bells of Rimney. Yeah. And and so, you know, at a certain point in your life, I think sometimes you look backwards to kind of see where you're going to go forwards. That's what we did. We these are, these are records that brought me and drew me to California. These are records that are part of Jacob's childhood, in a sense. And so, that's that's really where where the two of us sort of came together. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Andrew Slater. He's the director of a new film, new documentary film coming out today called Echo in the Canyon. And I want to let people know that I know there was a big to-do last night at the Arclight in Hollywood, but there are more fireworks to come. The film is opening, continues at the Cynodome Arclight Hollywood, uh, as well as the landmark starting tonight. Uh, and there will be Q&As if, with you, Andrew Slater, being in attendance at, uh, I believe, both theaters. You're going to be doing a little island hopping here tonight from the Arclight over to the Landmark. Not terribly far apart, but nonetheless, uh, that's good on you for, for being there in both places. But there will be... Well, Jacob and I will be, yes, Jacob and I together will be, will be trying to get in and out of our out of the way of Uber drivers and Lyft drivers to make it across town. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. And also, you're going to have some musical guests as well involved in, um, at, 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 I believe, the Arc Light. And uh, 
I'd be surprised yes. if this isn't already sold out, to be honest with you. But um, uh, yeah, well, so that I can't tell you, but I can tell you that the, the you know a very rare occurrence is going to happen Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and okay. tonight, tomorrow, and the next night is that uh, inside the center of the dome, we're going to play you know, seven or eight songs by Mamas and Papas and Birds and. Beach Boys, whatever be, yeah. whatever seems right for the night. And it'll be Cat Power and Jade Constrinos from Maywood Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros and Jacob singing with the band from the film. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's sold out. I don't know that to be the case, so I don't want to. I don't want to dampen anyone's uh, desire to go. I shouldn't have said it that way. But it, with the lineup that you have, I would be shocked if there weren't people already lining up to be a part of this tonight. It's going to be great. Yeah, well, they have never done that, you know, at the Arc at the Center. I've done a full band, so yeah. Uh, it's uh, we did it last night. It, it's that that building is magical. This in Ramadan. Yes, it is. I go way back. I, I remember watching 2001 when it came out at the Cinerama, and uh, it was it was a life altering experience at the time. So, uh, well, I will tell you. Uh, last night, Stephen Stills told me a story about 2001. He said he went to see 2001 in 1969 with Randy California, oh, really? who was the leader of a group called Spirit. Spirit. He said in about. Halfway through the, the, the film, uh, Randy got up from his seat and jumped right through the screen because he was high on LSD. So if, if any of your listeners are going tonight and, and, they, and they're high on LSD, please don't jump through the screen. <laughs> please do not do that. And it would be a bummer. Uh, so well, uh, so well. Let's get back to the film. I mean, I've described all these sort of elements, and, and in addition to the, the the performers that we're talking about, the people in the film, going back to Roger McGuinn, uh, uh, Stephen Stills, uh, Graham Nash, all the different um, Jackson Brown, all the people who were sort of a part of the scene, um, and you get some wonderful stories, wonderful insights, but you also get a fair amount of sort of the musical lineage of how we got from from uh, uh, Pete Seeger to Roger McGuinn and beyond. And what a powerful influence. I want to sort of focus on the birds because it feels like, in some ways, they were sort of a, a, a pivotal band in this lineup of wonderful artists in terms of their... Well, first of all, they were the, one of the Beatles' favorite bands, if not their favorite, they said. But also just in the way that their music evolved and incorporated so much of what became the Laurel Canyon uh, sound. Is Am I being fair to the birds, or am I being unfair to oh, other I think bands? you're being very fair. Okay. Yes, all that's absolutely accurate. Well, so let's talk about just sort of the this the idea of this film being kind of a, 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 a retrospective or a, a look at the this musical lineage going back to... Well, I think, you know, in some ways... I don't know if, if the electrification of folk music, first of all, whatever it happened in New York, per se, because I think New York folk scene was so rigid, and I just don't know if they would have accepted that. You know, but California, you know, one of the reasons we love it is that it, it, it represents a sense of freedom, and it represents a sense that anything is possible, and, you know, your dreams can come true here. And I think for Roger McGuinn, you know, he had such a gift taking a song from one medium and maybe taking it into another medium, which is what happens when he picks up that Rickenbacker 12-string. Yeah. When he electrifies folk music on that first record, it you know sets off a wave of change, in it, and you know people start writing different kinds of songs because those songs become hits. And, and so 
while the birds are emulating the beetles. You know, they have uh, black velvet collars like the beetles and <laughs> have mushroom haircuts like the beetles. Uh, their sense of harmony and the use of the 12 string inspires, really, the, the beetles to, to, and certainly George Harrison, to, uh, to write, If I Needed Someone, which goes on Rubber Soul. And Rubber Soul is heard by Brian Wilson. And he writes Pet Sounds. Beatles hear pet sounds, and they write Sgt. Pepper. So the bird's influence is immense. Yes, and I love that. I love that progression of that story because it's it's something I've I've heard and you know read about for for a long time, and it's great to see it in 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 the film, and it's great to see uh, again. You know, art is a. It's I don't know how how easily we can define you know specific you know, direct lines from one point to another. But that story is is verifiably true. And and, and obviously from there, from Sgt. Pepper's, you get, and Pet Sounds, you get everything that we know today, in, in some manner of speaking. And uh, it's, uh, it's so wonderful to see these people. And one of the other things in the, in the, in the film is uh, over the course of the, the, the film, you helped arrange, put together a concert with some of the people we talked about earlier, Cat Power, Fiona Apple, Beck, Jacob, and all that. And again, the music still holds up. The, I think that's the thing that comes across in watching this, is the, the, the power of the music, the, the, the beauty of it, uh, are certainly there to this day. And that's, I mean, that's as good a test as you'd want, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's the framework for everything that, well, that happens in you know in, in rock music certainly for the next fifty years. Yes, it does. I uh, want to mention, and not not so much in passing, but I do want to acknowledge that uh, Tom Petty is in the film. He's uh, in it too, uh, almost all too briefly because we we obviously lost uh, Tom uh, fairly recently, and it was uh, good to see him. And it's good to see, and he in in many ways was one of the most uh, avid. Admirers, at least it, it seems musically, of the birds. He he seemed to have picked up that Rickenbacker twelve string sound, as as well as anyone since the birds. Is is that a fair statement? Oh yeah. Well, well, you know, look. I mean, Tom really bridges the gap between the two generations that are represented in the film. There's Jacob's rep, there's Jacob's generation, and that's Regina and Fiona Apple and Dak Capella. And then there's the artists who wrote those songs, obviously the birds, the Beach Boys, the Papas and Papas, and Buffalo Springfield. And in the middle you have Tom. So in the film, Tom is really like the professor. Yeah. I mean, he was such a student of that music. It's what drew him to California. And, you know, one of the great things in the film, not just with Tom, but, you know, you usually get to see people when they're doing interviews and they have an album out, and they're really talking about whatever work they've created, you know, as they, as they should. Yeah. The thing that's great about the film, at least to me, is that you see these people talking about, uh, in a very personal uh, and unguarded way, each other's music. Yeah. You know, and Tom is, he's not talking about songs he created, but he's talking about all the music that influenced him. And you have Stephen Stills and, and Brian Wilson you know, and Michelle Phillips yeah. talking about other people. As well as giving you a little insight into their story, so so for me, uh, it was such a 
revelation to, to have uh, to have heard that while trying to you know, capture it, create the right, right. setting for have that conversation. Right, and in, in just the last minute I have with you, I just want to acknowledge that this sound. There's something that it's 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 diverse. The sounds coming out of the canyon, these different bands are diverse, but they seem for me to share this kind of harmonic. There's a harmonic um, uh, relationship that the music has in terms of uh, the beautiful sounds. The Mamas and the Papas are, I think, some of the most beautiful vocals that you'll ever hear. The Beach Boys, obviously, their harmonies there were amazing. Same with the birds, same with the Buffalo Springfield. All these bands seem to share this this um, ability to be able to make beautiful music, and and it's not it's not puffy, it's not necessarily you know um, you know retirement home pretty. It's but it's it's beautiful and it's uplifting, and and I and I just think that if that that seems to be a characteristic that for most of those bands was an important part of the making of the music that they produced. Yeah. I love your film. I got to tell you, I mean, it takes me oh, back. I, I, I t- yeah, it takes me back. And also, it, it's it's great to see it framed in such a way that it doesn't feel like a museum piece. And Well, we were trying to make something new out of something that inspired us, you know. I mean, it's which is hard to do. I just did, I didn't want to make a historical document. I didn't want it to have a feeling like yeah. you were, you know, you were watching something, you know, perhaps on PBS. Not that there's anything wrong with that, right. but... For me, I I was more interested in capturing the feeling of the time, and creating something that you could actually see in the cinema. You know, I my first experience with uh, live music was not really in a concert hall. It was in the movie theater because I was very young. My parents wouldn't let me go see the music that I wanted to see. And you know, I remember seeing Help and Don't Look Back and Monterey Pop yeah. with Stock and and my DNA forever changed in that movie theater seeing those films and so I wanted to create something that would at least for the for the cinema that would give you the feeling of something special and that's why in the film you can go from the recording studio where where Jacob is recording a mama's and papa song to the stage where they're playing the song back to the studio and in front of the author who wrote the song or performed on the song in the middle of the song yeah. and yeah. And luckily, with today's technology, you could do that. But uh, yeah. I also just wanted the feeling of kindness and community to come through yeah. from that period and not focus on the politics of right. what was happening in the Vietnam War and trying to you know, change the administration from right. Republican to Democrat. Right. I mean, you know, right. that's right. for somebody else to do. This, right. is, to me, is really just about the people who wrote the songs and their then, in a way, as human beings, because in some documentaries, it's so effective to be able to take the, you know, the interview you have, and you know, I mean, when I watch the video, I see all kinds of footage and, and voiceover and stuff. But for me, as an externalist, I wanted people to see the faces and the conversation of these people who wrote these songs. As a journalist, I was never really good enough to capture in words a description yeah, of what people were doing to convey what I was really feeling from them when I was talking to them. So the film is an attempt also to, to just, when somebody's saying something to you and it's funny or it's, you know, at the core of something important, you know, you get to really feel like you're sitting across from them. 
Well, thank you, Andrew Slater. Thank you so much for this film. It is a wonderful film, Echo in the Canyon. Again, you can see it tonight, uh, starting tonight at the Arclight Hollywood Theater, as well as the Landmark Theater, right around the corner, basically, right down the road off Pico. Uh, you And it, it will, I promise you, you'll love the film, and you have the opportunity from tonight and tomorrow night as well, I believe, Saturday, you're also going to be doing Q&As with Jacob Dillon. And uh, sure. that that alone is uh, an amazing experience, just to be able to be in a theater where the filmmaker and is there to talk to you about how it happened. Well, Andrew Slater, I want to thank you so much for being a part of film school. This has been amazing for me. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me, and thank you for the kind words on the film. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.